It's the return of tournament in a tea break. I'm Ros Satar. I'm Chris Ardo. And we have almost got to the end of Manic Monday. So close. Ugh, but no cigar. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll tell you why. Uh, and we'll stop all this silliness a little later. But yes, it was Manic Monday. And the reason why we uh, we had to have all the four... Oh, sorry, all, all the fourth round matches done is because the women will play their quarterfinals tomorrow. So it's a quick turnaround for, for the ladies. Uh, when I say almost... Uh, we had the we had the joy of watching Juan Martin Del Potro and Gilles Simon just basically bunt the ball back and forth to each other for an eternity. Uh, God could have created another planet in the time that it took them to get the first set, uh, and as a result, they uh, they are to finish there. It's two uh, one to Del Potro. They're a match to finish, um, but we'll touch on them a little bit later. Today is all about the girls. Amen. And <laughs> and what a lineup we've actually got. It's that you know, considering that we've been talking nonstop about all the uh, seeds that um, have scattered in the winds. They have. Um, we've actually got a fairly good lineup. So, without further ado, which is a very British thing to say, let it, let us anon. First up in line is oh well we had that that was a feisty match actually. Suwei Shay Shay. Sue, let's try that again. Sue Wei Shea and Dominica Sibulkova had um, a predictably entertaining match, I think. Lots of slicey, dicey um, scampering about the court. Uh, but for a somewhat controversial line call that left Sibulkova raging, yep. um, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and it didn't actually put her in a very good light. Um, so basically, I believe a return, one of her returns was called out and then subsequently corrected a la Hawkeye. Um, Shay felt that she had earned the point and she shouldn't have lost the point because she actually got the ball in play. But the correction arrived after she'd actually hit it. Because let's face it, at, in the heat of the moment, if you feel you've got to play on the ball, you play it, even if it might actually be out. Mm-hmm. So then she refused to carry on until the referee came out. The referee came out. They conflabbed a lot. And then they decided to replay the point. So Sabukova was then equally furious and decided to um, have a long conflab. And it was just, it was quite remarkable. Um, meanwhile, the crowd kind of put themselves firmly on the side of Shay and will start going, replay the point. Replay the point, which probably didn't help Sabulkova's mood, um, but it didn't actually affect the outcome. Uh, it, I think she admitted that for a couple of points, it was still playing in her mind, and then she just got herself together and she came through that set and then pretty much dominated uh, the second set. She came through, and interesting enough, um, Shay's press conference. She's a real character when she comes into press. And she's very giddy. She's fun. She's so funny. She's like, oh no, I was in no 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 little bubble moment. And you know, she's there's no there's no bad blood on her part. But Sabukova might find herself a little bit um, on the unpopular side yeah. when she takes to the court. The social media didn't take kindly to it, did they? No. Hey. You know, there's a lot of stress when you're at this round in a quarterfinal. Maybe she, she just overreacted. Maybe she maybe she regrets it. But it's one of those things that happened. I think the more important thing is she won another match in straight sets. She's into the quarterfinals playing very well, so she'll she'll put that behind her and move move forward. Some people might be angry with her, but 
I like her story nonetheless. I think she's been inspiring. You know, the whole narrative with her getting bumped out as a seed and now backing it up and being in the quarterfinals and ready to square off with Yelena Ostapenko in the quarterfinals, that's a nice story. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think she's ever had a bad story, actually. I mean, when she last reached the quarterfinals, there was all the talk of, should I cancel my wedding day? That because I didn't too. think that I was going to get that deep. And then as it turned out, she went out in the quarterfinals, so she didn't have to worry about that in the end. So, you know, there's always a decent narrative. And, and what I like about her, I, uh, I spoke to her in, um, in Singapore when she won, and she came up with this wonderful thing of how when she was a kid in her um, local tennis club, people used to come up to her and say, you're too small to play tennis, go play something else. And then yeah. when she won the WTA finals, she actually sort of said, you know, people called me too small. Well, look at me now. Um, you know, a real two fingers up to everybody. So I, I don't think a few uh, disgruntled tweets is going to bother her one jot. No, not at all. And it, it shouldn't bother us either, people that like what she, what she is and what she's become and what she's done with with her abilities. I mean, she's a fiery one. She, she. I mean, we hate to focus on her height, but she's 5'3", and she's one of the best servers at Wimbledon mm-hmm. this week, so well, that, and good exa- on her. That's exactly what she said. You know, I'm, I'm not big, I'm not powerful, so I've had to learn how to how to be um, right up where, up there with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you compare against somebody like Radvanska, who is also not, not big and powerful, she's slight, I mean, she's taller, right. but she's slight, and she doesn't have that same power. And she's had to learn how to be basically a magician on court to, to do that. And, you know, I think there is room for that kind of play but let's let's talk about Ostapenko because uh she ended well she had a real comeback actually she was way down to Sasnovich she was um five two down in the first yeah and and then suddenly got the bit between the teeth and off she went when she gets a rhythm when oh watch out and she likes grass I think she likes grass more than clay or at least that's what she's saying right now. That that's the party line for Ostapenko. She's pumped up about the way she's playing, where she's playing. I think she feels like she can, she can pull another uh, pull another Grand Slam title out of her hat. I mean, is she actually saying that she likes grass? I, I didn't. She pop is. Down. She likes it. She says it. She feels like it. She can be more aggressive on it. She, the, the, she she says she was saying stuff today like other players don't really like it. They don't catch up with the speed at the pace of the play. But I like it. And it's clear well, that she help. does. She hasn't another player that hasn't lost a set. She's had, she's pitched two bagel sets in her last two rounds. So she's clearly feeling good. Well, God help everybody then if yeah. she's like kind of yeah, I kind of like it because when she's hitting that free, she is very very dangerous. Yes. Um, I think that I think this has got feisty with the capital Phi. The Sibokova matchup written all over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what she said about Sibokova said, "I like the matchup because." She's a good baseline player. That means I'll get more rhythm. And, and oh, we've seen what word. she can do with rhythm. You know, these two match up well. Sivakova leads the remaining players, winning 61% of her baseline points. But Ostapenko, not far behind at 58%. And I thought, if you let me stat geek out for a bit. I thought, Look yourself out. <laughs> oh, cool. I thought it was interesting that Sivakova leads the remaining players by winning 38% or by having 38% of her second serves unreturned. That's a really good number. But but um, Ostapenko is winning 72% of her return points against second serve. She's just been a wizard. So those two things matching up, the really effective serving of Sibokova and the return game of Ostapenko, it's going to be a nice matchup. One of them's going to drop a set. Yep, definitely. Okay. We can guarantee that. Brilliant. Okay. Now, the other matchup, in fact, this is such a stacked half of the draw. The other matchup that's interesting, again, another comeback story, I think, for, for um, Kazakina. Uh, mm-hmm. She came up against 
and I, I apologise to all Dutch people, but tough. Uh, Alison van Oytvank. Fair bonk. enough. Fair enough. Ugh. Um, she, you know, AVU, as as, yeah. as we've come to know her, um, did back up her win against uh, Muguruza, was looking very much in command against Kazakina. And I, I actually found myself thinking, yeah, okay, this is another Daria thing where she's done really well, and then she just runs out of answers. But blow me, she actually figured it all out. She did. She really did. Yep. Um, I was courtside for about half of the match, and the end of the first set and the beginning of the second set looked like, wow, Van Oetveig is running away with this because Kazakina missed on a set point, then double faulted to hand the set over, and then she got down a break in the second, and then she hit this wicked winner at 2-1 that kept her in a game. It was a game point for Van Oetveig. She's able to turn that game around and never look back. Yeah, I think... Um... I really hope that this is a coming of age for Kazakina. I really want to see her do exceptionally well in a in a slam. Mm, this could um, be the one. This could be the one, and and definitely she's against a player that she has the measure of. I mean, at the beginning of 2017, when Angie was probably at her most vulnerable in terms of confidence uh, and right up there in terms of mental fortitude, she owned her. She like beat her twice and you know twice in a row. Angie, Angie came to the point where you know the name Kazakina struck fear <laughs> into her little Polish German heart. Um, she, I mean, she did get the measure of again in um, in in Tokyo. She Kerber actually yeah. managed to um, level things up and and things are oh no sorry she leveled things up in Eastbourne. Right. So she's just, faced just on Grat just yeah. So I think that will do Kerber's confidence no end of good. Kerber of course is the highest seed left. Um, which is quite surprising. Um, Unbelievable. Uh, she's the high seed left. Uh, and sometimes she still doesn't look convincing to me. Now, I don't know if this is a good thing because, you know, maybe sometimes Angie needs to come from behind. I think if she's a front leader, sometimes it messes with her head. Uh, and I, I don't know whether at this stage, fighting and scrapping for every last you know, ounce of strength is good for her because it makes her fight and gets her back to her default setting or whether she'll want to be, you know, super aggressive Angie and be right out in front. I, I don't know. Mm. I would think with Kazakina she'd want to get in front because you don't want to give her a chance. I like the way these two match up. I think it screams three sets. It screams, oh, yeah. it screams three tight sets. I mean, Kerber's got the experience... Uh, Dasha will benefit from being in the quarterfinals at Roland Garros just a month ago. That will help her a lot. But this is Angie's 10th Grand Slam quarterfinal. I think she's, this wow. is the fourth time she's gotten this far at Wimbledon. She's 27 and 10 lifetime at Wimbledon. So wow, she's got a lot of good things going for her. But this is going to be um, decided, I think, by the thinnest of margins. I think it's going to be very entertaining. So we've got two really entertaining matches so far on this side. Let's hop across to the other side where we, you know, no, no disrespect to either player, but I think we've got quite a surprise package coming out of this element. Bottom half's a little strange. Let's, so, you know, we alluded to it. Caroline Lepliskova, um, our, our resident slamless number one, highest seed this morning, um, bottomed out to Kiki Burton's. Her serve wasn't working. She really... Looked kind of listless out there. I don't know. What did you, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I thought I thought maybe she had another comeback in her, and she got back on level terms in the second. Just didn't have it today. Yeah, she, she said it was too. You know, it was too late. I think. What was she? Was she starting to come back from one four or something? 
And she said, and she was like, you know, it's good that I could come back, but it's too late. And, you know, that, you know, she was very disappointed. Somebody tried to sort of say about, you know, the the drawers wide open and she was like, no, I don't hold that. You know, I I just, I play badly, but you can't turn around and say, oh yeah, the drawer is weak or whatever. And you can't dwell on the fact that all the seeds have gone out. But No, she can't, but we can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But... Kiki Burton's, I mean, you know, she she lost that really tight final in Madrid to Kvitova. Oh, what a good final that was. Um, and that really, you know, she was very close. Well, she was in tears in, in press. You know, that really meant a lot to her. You know, what is it, like 12 months ago, she was like, this is it. I'm hanging up my rackets and stomping off into, into the sunset with caramel waffles in hand, you mm. know. And then she changed her mind, came back. She's not what you would traditionally think of as a grass court player. She is probably more known for her clay court prowess. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, girl can girl can girl can make the switch. Yeah, big game. I mean, two and zero lifetime against Gerges. That that might help her confidence. I don't yeah. see either of these players as being very confident about their abilities on this surface. They're both surprised that they're here. It's one of those strange matchups. It's a Have great opportunity here, for thing. both. This is, this is like what we see so often. Who's going to take that opportunity? Personally, I think Burton's is going to do it. Mm. I'm not sure why. It's just a gut feeling. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. I think um, Gerga's, um, she did well, I think, in Eastbourne or Birmingham, one, one, one or other of them. And she, yeah, Birmingham, I think it was. And she was super excitable when she came into press. And then the next match, she just faded. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that, let's take nothing away from her. That's a very good win against Donna Vekic, who has been in extremely good form. I think yeah. Vekic's time is going to come, and you know, I think we should expect to see her challenging next mm-hmm. year for sure. Yeah, I really loved Gerges's win the round earlier against Streetcheva. That was yeah. a ten-eight in the third. That was a big one. She's kind of that one probably boosted the confidence a bit. Mm. But yeah, very impressive today. Her numbers are on the return aren't haven't been great here at Wimbledon, so. That's something to watch. She'll she'll need to get that break game going in order to stay neck and neck with with Burton's tomorrow. Yeah, the only thing the only thing trouble is Burton's can get a little tight. That arm gets a little bit heavy when it when it really comes down to it, and Gerges might be able to take mm. advantage of that. I think it, this will be entertaining, not quite for the same reasons as the other matches, but yeah. I think it'll be a good one to watch. And then we're left with who would have would you have picked this? Serena Williams versus Camilla Georgie. Yeah. Well, I mean, wow. well, let, let's start with Serena. Um, I mean, there was there was never any doubt that she was going to get past qualifier um, Rodina in easy form, and she did, two and two. You know, Rodina's played um, qualifying. I think after a while, that that had to take its toll. No surprise there. Yeah. Good job, Rodina. I saw, oh, yeah. her, saw her after the match and the walking in the hallway with a big wrapping around her thigh. She she was she was at at the end mm. of her run and then she has a lot to be proud of. Okay, and Georgie, well, you know, again, her her style of play is very much see ball, hit ball, hope ball go in, yeah. lather, rinse, repeat. Hits a beautiful ball. I like watching her on yeah. the grass. I yeah, think I, I was noticing today. I think she's. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote some stats. I might maybe right, maybe wrong, but I think she's now 14 and eight lifetime at Wimbledon. She's pretty solid here, and the other the other three slams combined, she's under 500. So this is her major to play well at. I think she could call. I mean, it's interesting because somebody sort of asked her, you know, what do you think about Serena? She goes, I don't know. I don't watch women's tennis. I don't care. <laughs> and it's like, best. okay, okay. Um, and I think um, I think Serena handled the same question really well, where she's like, yeah, you know, we played a few times. I think Serena's. Three and O, 
uh, against Correct. The, um, well, is that I, good? Yeah, you're right about. It. Can I just say when I flipped on that presser on the on the media channel, I thought I was watching Twin Peaks for a few minutes. It was just she, Camila had this lacy outfit that I, she didn't wear. I don't know what it was, and it was just really the, her replies to the questions were strange. I think it has to do a little bit about her. I don't think she's the best with English, so I no. think she struggles a little bit. And people judge her on what she says. I don't think she really knows what she's <laughs> saying some of the time. I think we need to get cut her some slack on some of these like really short and terse quotes that she gives because I, I just don't think she has the best no. English command. You're you're right, and um, you know when you're actually in the press conferences, you, it's very clear that you know her her language um, is is pretty limited. So a lot of the time, I mean, and we've seen it with other people. We've seen it, we saw it with Ostapenko a couple of years ago, right? Um, she'll tend to re- repeat back to you what you've said. So, for example, you know, that was a really tight match and you came through really well and you'd be like, yeah, it was a tight match. I came <laughs> I through really well. well. And, you know, and you're like, I didn't, didn't I just say that? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think, I think what she meant was, you know, I, of course I know who Serena is, but right. I don't watch her matches and I don't watch women's tennis in general. Um, and I'm just looking forward to the match. But when it yeah. came out, when it came out, like, it's like, no, I don't watch women's tennis. Who is she? And it's like, of course she knows who Serena Williams is. I saw her smiling quite a bit, which yeah. I haven't seen in other presses with her. So you can tell she's pleased about the win. I, I don't know how well she expressed it, but, you know, this has been a great run for her. Yep. I, I still think Serena's going to own her, though. Yeah, I don't think I think Georgie's a little too reckless, a little too wild, making too many unforced errors. Has uh, the lowest return, percent of return games won among the remaining players. Mm. And if she can't return against the people she's faced in the first four rounds, what luck will she have against Serena? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I don't see her breaking much at all. Maybe not at all. Okay. Um, we're going to cover the men, I think, in a little more detail tomorrow. But we must just talk about the uh, kerfuffle that was almost in the making, uh, which was some baffling scheduling. There's been baffling scheduling all the way through this tournament. In fact, one could argue all the way through the history of the tournament. Um, So we'd had a couple of days this tournament where they had been more female heavy than the men on the courts and everybody thought that was great. Um, Obviously they had to be like that today because they had to get the women's matches done because they're playing the quarterfinals tomorrow. So is it a disaster that Del Potro and Simon are carried over? Not really, because they actually have a day off. Well, they don't, but you know they have a day before they have to play, and they only have to go through two sets. So you know, it's not a complete disaster if a men's match is carried over. But Novak Djokovic was ready to go on. He was following Anderson and Monfils, and Monfils in true Monfils style, had, had, it was actually a very good um, round of 16 match from him. It was very close the first two sets and Anderson edged them out in tie breaks and then uh, Monfils took the next 7-5. So it was always nip and tuck. In fact, I think Anderson pipped him in a, in a tie break as yeah, well. So it's a very, very good quality match from the Frenchman. However, while they were playing that fourth set, a decision was made to move Jamie Murray and... Vika Azarenka, I think it might, um, they may, they may well have been a TBA to centre court before that had finished. And we learned in Novak Djokovic's press conference that he'd already been told that if it went to five, they were actually going to cancel his, they were going to postpone his match. Terrible. Which, uh, so imagine it from our perspective. It is rammed down our throats 
in the run-up to Monday that Manic Monday is the day. It is the day for fans. It is the day for us because it's probably the busiest day in the entire tournament apart from the first couple of rounds where you are just you just don't stop. Uh, so the fact the fact that they'd made a decision they were going to postpone it, okay, fine. Probably not great for the players, but at least you know where you stand. But the fact that they went through all of this while um, while Anderson could have done it you know, was 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 baffling enough. The fact that they put Jamie Murray and Vika Azarenka on centre court, um, anyway, was was astounding because that w- you would think that that was the match that they would have to try and get finished. Hmm. Um, and so we were having a great big debate in our writing room. I don't know what it was like where you were, but we were like very very surprised. Well, nobody was nobody was impressed with that that scheduling mm, at all. No, I, I think. You're looking at Djokovic in the scenario you laid out. Djokovic not playing tonight, having to play tomorrow. Then you're looking at him playing tomorrow, and then the next day playing Kenny Shikori. So back to back difficult matches. It's it's not fair at all to have someone go through a draw like that. And he's probably the winner of that Djokovic Shikori match would get Nadal. It's it always gets screwed up. We get that, but it, why does it always seem to fall on Djokovic? It's just a yeah. little bit strange. And I guess the best solution would have been. To put the to put Djokovic second and then put yep. the Anderson match later. If those guys get postponed, nobody's talking about it as much. It Correct. Just, it, I don't remember the exact scenario with Djokovic, but this has happened before here. It's just getting a little weird. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I th- and and even then, this reason doesn't even fit. The only reason I think they put him on last is because he was last in his, you know in his last match, so they need to give him enough thing. But we okay. have Middle Sunday, so there's some logic. But but we had a we had an extra. Uh, we did, I know. We had a day off. We had a everybody had a day off, so that yeah. doesn't it doesn't count. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Right. And you know we know as as journalists we know that the fandoms of of the big three, the big four, the big five, if you include Stan, uh, are very passionate about their players, and we know that everybody gets really het up. But in the in in the face of fairness. It does seem that you know Djokovic gets the short end of the wedge a lot, yeah. Um, and you know people are like, "Well, it's favoritism for Federer," and you know we were talking about it while waiting for the Uber. Ideally, Federer needs to have a, his turn on court number one. He should be on court number one. Yeah, but they wouldn't. But they, they, of course, they're not going to put him on court number one. No, they respect their champions, and I think they respect their eight-time champions more than their three-time champions, which is. But surely their scheduling is going to have to be. Roger and and Novak on centre court. I mean, you would not put Isner and Raonic on centre court for a quarter final. I hope not. No, and then, but Nadal Del Potro is a fun one. I I have no idea. It's it just seems like the... it it just drives me mad. I mean, has Nadal played on court one yet? I think so. Okay, so that so in the in the interest of fairness, they would have to put Federer on court one. If Nadal, if Nadal's already been out on court one, because look at it though, you've got three multiple champions from Wimbledon, all playing on the same day. It would it would be such a surprise though. Am I not am I not correct there? How surprised would you be if Federer was on court one? I just it's not going to happen. Well, we'd have to give him a sat nap because he wouldn't know where it is for a start. <laughs> that when was the last time? I honestly don't. I, you know, Juniors? No. I again, probably when dinosaurs held rackets in their teeny tiny paws, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm trying um, to think now if Nadal. I'm trying to 
get a picture of Nadal being on court one. I don't know. Maybe first round duty seller. No. Um, Kushkin? I can't remember. I can't remember. But Don't quote it, me on that one. Then, I right? mean, it, it is a dilemma. And, you know, I got into it on Twitter with, uh, with a few fans as well, you know, that they were like kind of, oh, well, think of the fans. It's like, yeah, think of the fans because they are paying to watch this after all. But think of the players because if... They didn't have the players. The fans would have nobody to watch. And at the end of the day, you have to try and make it fair for these people. They're competing for a Grand Slam title. They're not competing for a watermelon. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like Wimbledon runs into this darkness issue a little more than, than they should. So it's, it's tricky. But yeah, I think they should be aware that, yes, if they get one five-setter, they're in trouble. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And they should have thought about it. And then again, right, they had the chance to just move them to center instead of a mixed doubles match, which, you know, that was a great match. Oh, yeah, and it was a fantastic match. Absolutely but, thrilled and, about it. You know, I'm sure everybody that was, 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 was absolutely giddy at the prospect of seeing Jamie and, and Vika. But with, but with the greatest will in the world, the whole point of Manic Monday is to get yeah. all of these round four matches done. Yeah. In order to do that, you have to you have to get your head around the scheduling, and you do not schedule a doubles match. Yeah. The only the only reason I think they did is because you can really only have four matches a day on court on on centre court, right, less right. ideally, and you would be putting a five setter instead of a three setter on there. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff to think about. I wish there was some transparency. Really. Yeah, I wish they would explain absolutely. the motives for the scheduling when it gets like this, and we would kind of all know what they're thinking. And then maybe it would kind of keep them in check about maybe yeah. if there is any favoritism, they'd have to air it out and they'd maybe have to think about, well, maybe this doesn't look good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, we, we, I guess, I mean, I'm guessing you feel the same about the US Open. It's your slam and you, there's, a, there's an element of protectiveness towards an iconic sporting venue, you know, venue in, in your own country. And Wimbledon is one of those things that you grow up watching and you, you wish to be there. When you go there the first time as a fan, it is a magical experience. When you're actually working the tournament, it's a privilege and an honour. But sometimes, I swear to God, I look at some of the scheduling and I just mm. want to bash my head against a brick wall. Yeah, it can be tricky. Anyway, that's enough. <laughs> that's that was enough. fun. That was fun, though. I don't know if we solved anything, but... No, but, but I, th- I but feel hey, much better, we'll and it's che- and it's cheaper than therapy. Yes. Okay, so we will come back tomorrow with a full rundown of the men. Wow. And and we're going to be talking about the semifinals on the women's side, which is we- why I said wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So, join us tomorrow, and we will. In the meantime, we wish you a very good evening. You've been listening to Ross Sattel from Brickwatch Sports and Chris Otto from Tennis Now. Thank you for listening. Good night.